0: So since Easter, we've been in this series called Family Matters. Who remembers the show, Family Matters? Urkel, did I do that? (laughs) Um, And and we've been in this series with a different approach. uh, And Pastor has brought up an approach and a perspective of taking the Ten Commandments and applying them for our daily lives and for our families. And we started on Easter talking about not having any other gods. We then went on to speak about not having any idols. We then went on to speak about not misusing the Lord's name in vain. And last week we flipped the commandments around and he spoke about honoring thy, fa- thy mother and thy father. And this week we're going to talk about honoring and remembering the Sabbath. Honoring and remembering the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 9, it says this. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all the work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord, your God. You know, it's easy for us to oversee that. We can look at the other nine commandments and say, well, you know, I'm not going to kill anybody, so I'm good. (laughs) Right? I'm not going to lie, so I'm good. I'm not going to commit adultery, so I'm good. I'm not going to take the Lord's name in vain, so I'm good. I'm not going to worship any other God, so I'm good. And oversee the fact that we oftentimes... Never pause to take a break and just breathe, right? We live live in a time right now where everything is just going all the time. Things are always moving. We have 24-hour supermarkets. We have 24-hour fast food restaurants. We have 24-hour drive throughs We have 24-hour TV. If you grew up in the 80s like me, TV would turn off after a certain time. Right, You would try to t- turn the dial on the TV, and if the dial was missing, you had a pair of pliers like we did. <laughs> Come on, I'm really showing how, how in need we were with that Zenith TV. And and I'd turn the pliers, and I would look for the right channel, and everything was some rainbow colors, and all you heard was, Ooh! the network is offline. Well, then the 90s came, cable came, satellite came, and now you could watch whatever you want whenever you want. Because we live in a time where we, the world, does not rest. And because the world does not rest and society does not rest, the the church in many ways is taking the same approach. And that's why today we're going to speak about resting. We're going to speak about the Sabbath. Because it's needed for us to remember that the Sabbath uh, is, is a gift from God to us. See, even God, the creator, in the book of Genesis... He created everything in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. He he showed us an example of why we need to take a break every once in a while and pause from life so that we can then progress in life. Let me let me break that down. In other words, God's original intent with separating time to rest was not told to us to to hold us back from progress but instead to prepare us for progress. Because when we learn to pause and we learn to take a break, it's giving us an opportunity to prepare for what God has next in our life. How many say amen to that today? So we were not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for us. And then that's important to know because Jesus said it in Mark chapter 2, verse 27. It was made for us. It was given as a gift to us. Because none of us are omnipotent. In other words, none of us are all-powerful. Try to stay up 24 hours and see what happens. It's only going to be a matter of time where you're just going to start to shut down like an old Dell computer. Because you need rest. We need rest. And God knows that now we carry these things that sometimes don't give us any rest. We're living in the most insomniac society ever this upcoming generation has trouble sleeping because of the amount of time they spend on these devices and sometimes even me can I be honest can I be honest sometimes I need to be told or I need to be remembered can you take a break from that sometimes I'm in a restaurant and Mimi has to tell me really babe can you take a break from that the text message could wait the email could wait Right, you can you can take a break for half an hour and look at me in the eye, right? And can we just have a conversation? You ever been in that conversation when the person's talking to you and, you just, and you're like, they're like, uh huh, yeah, mm hmm, mm hmm, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, uh huh, yeah, uh huh. And believe it or not, that's what we're doing to God sometimes when we come to church. While we're sitting in the sanctuary, while we're sitting here during the worship set, sometimes we're thinking about, did I leave the stove on? <laughs> did I leave the toaster plugged in? You're thinking about the email you forgot to send. You're thinking about the relationship troubles you're having. And God is saying, if you spend this time with me, if you could just set apart some time with me to pause from the situations in life and simply meditate on what I'm trying to do in your life, you'd be surprised with the outcome of giving me your full attention. Tell somebody, take a pause. Take a break. I'd like to bring this from a different A different uh, uh, way of seeing it because Dr. Luke in the Gospels, he shows us a story. He tells us a story of this family. It's a family of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. It was the the home that Jesus would go to when he was in town, when he was going to go to Jerusalem uh, for tabernacle and, and for all the stuff that would go on and the feasts that would happen. He always had a place to stay and that place was the house of Martha. And we know of Martha Uh, Because they're mentioned quite a bit. They're mentioned in in the time that we're going to speak about now. They're mentioned when Lazarus actually dies. And then they're mentioned in another occasion. So this was a family that Jesus loved, but it was a family with a little bit of dysfunction. You ever been a part of a family with a little bit bit of dysfunction? dysfunction, Right? You know, in in our family, uh, uh, people could look at us speaking and they think we're arguing. Because how loud we speak to each other right my dad speaks or my and and even we speak and people think are they okay like what's going on and it's just that's how we speak we just speak loud and we're we, and, and it's easy to to confuse that with with argument but it's not an argument it's just it's just we have a little bit of dysfunction don't judge me you do too you just don't want to admit it right But Martha and Mary and Lazarus had a little bit of dysfunction. And we're going to learn about it today because Mary and Martha are polar opposites. You see, Martha is the one that crosses every T and dots every I. But Mary uh, does not know how to color inside the lines. You know anybody like that? Are you the one that crosses every T and dots every I? Or maybe you're the one that colors outside the lines. It's good to know that the Bible gives us examples of different people. That go through different things. So I want to take you to the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 41. If you can go with me, it's going to be also on the screen for those that didn't bring a Bible. Don't worry, you're still going to heaven. But let me tell you this, if you take notes, there's a special section in heaven for you. For every note you, no, I'm kidding. Luke 10, 38 through 41, it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha Opened her home. Somebody say her home. She opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And then Jesus says, Martha... Hey, 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 Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I like how Jesus had to call her two times. He says, Martha, Martha. The reason Jesus had to call her two times is because she was so busy, and, and so distracted that it required him to call her name again. You ever have, do you have any kids like that that you have to call them once and twice? How many parents are here that, that could agree with me? You have to say, you say the name, they don't respond, you say the name again. They don't respond, then you go to numbers. One. <laughs> two. Okay, mommy, I'm coming. Right? So, so. We see a situation with Martha, but before we dissect Martha's situation, I want to defend Martha. Allow me to defend. Martha really loved Jesus. You know how we know Martha loved Jesus? She believed in his power. She believed in who he was. Because when her brother dies, she gets upset that he didn't arrive on time, and she says, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. So she believes he's a healer. She believes that he's a son of God. Another thing I like about Martha is that she owns a home. How do we know that, Pastor Manny? Because it says Martha opened her home. Which lets me know that Martha is a very independent woman. Maybe she was a widow, but she owns the home. Maybe the, 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 the testament or was left to her and it said, you own the home. But we know this, she owns a home. So she's a very responsible lady. Not only is she responsible, she's a hard worker. We know that through what, we're getting, what we just read. She gets the job done. If you're going to hire somebody, you want to hire a Martha. Because she's going to work and she's going to get the work done. And another thing we like about Martha, she's great with hospitality. If you're going to go to somebody's house, go to somebody that's going to take care of you, that's going to tell you, just sit down, I'm going to go to the kitchen, prepare the food. Do you want water or do you want iced tea? See, that's Martha. She's great with hospitality. She's great with all of that stuff. And so, so I just want to take a moment to, to, to just say the good things about Martha. She's, she's doing the right thing in her mind and in her heart. She, she wants to really, really have Jesus as a guest at her home. But have you ever been to the place where you want to do something so well that you overcommit? Anybody here that you've ever overcommitted? Where, where you really want to do things well, but you don't know how much it's going to take to get it done? And then what happens is that when we overcommit and we don't take a moment to pause, we start blaming other people for our commitment. And, and, and what started as something that you care about becomes something that you, something that you control. Am I preaching to anybody here? What started as something you care about. She cared that Jesus would come to the house. She cared that she, he would be in, in her living room. She cared that she was going to feed him falafel and, and, and hummus. <laughs> That's what you eat in Israel. I went to Israel this past November. That's all you eat, falafel and hummus. And I was like, what are we going to eat at this restaurant? Falafel and hummus. How about that one? Falafel and hummus. Can we have something else besides falafel and hummus? That's all they eat over there. Right? So, you know, so she, she's, she's preparing everything. She wants to make things right, but she's gone from care to control. And she's, she's kind of distracted in the process. And many of us, it's not that we don't care about God. It's not that we don't care about going to church. It's not that we don't care about worship. It's that we've become so distracted in the things that we used to care about that now we're trying to control our lives in the process. Now we're trying to control our situations in the process. And what God wants us to do is to pause, to take a break. See, that's what the Sabbath means. The Sabbath is to simply breathe and simply take a break. So as we look at today, let's look at a couple of things that can impact our life when we we don't have margin. See, we have to set time to Rest. We have to set time to take a break, and, and, and that requires us taking a break daily, taking a break weekly, and taking a break yearly. Let me say that again. It requires us to take a break daily. That means every day you're going to take a moment where you're not going to do a thing. Let me say it again. You're not going to do a thing. You're going you're to take this moment, whether it's 15 minutes or half an hour or an hour, and you're going to say, I'm not doing anything. And you may ask me, well, Pastor Manny, what do I do in that time off? The question is not what do you do. The question is what do you not do? Let me say that again. Pastor Manny, what do I do when I take the time off? No, the question is what do you not do? What you're not going to do is what you always do. You're going to turn the phone off. That's what you always do. You're going to get away from everything that can be served as a distraction. That's what you usually do. And you're going to set time apart daily. You're going to set time apart weekly. And you got to set some time apart to get away yearly. That means you got to take a vacation. Somebody get, yeah. Look at somebody say, take a break. Take a break. When we were little, I remember when my kids were young, I had two, two boys. Now they're a lot older and taller than me. But when they were little, we would tell them, you need to go take a nap. Because you're cranky. Right? And when they're small, you could tell them where to go and what to do. But something happens when we get older, and is that nobody's there to tell us, go take a nap. Sometimes you got to go tell yourself, you know what, you, Manny, you, you're cranky. You're like lashing out on people. You need a Snickers bar or something. <laughs> I talk to myself sometimes, go take a break, go take a nap, and get, wake up, and maybe you wake up a lot better, because you're crabby right now, right? And sometimes we just need to speak to ourselves, because there's nobody there to tell us, go take a nap. Nobody's there to tell us to take a break. So let's talk about what happens when we live a life without margins. Number one, we become distracted. It says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. That's in Luke 10, verse 40. And what happens with distractions, in fact, the word distraction means to be pulled apart. When you're distracted, you're pulled apart by many things. You got different things uh, grabbing your attention. And, and what God wants you to do is to focus on him, to focus on one thing at a time. But it's hard to do that when life is tough. It's hard to do that when life is really hitting you hard. It's tough to do that when you're raising your kids by yourself, mom or dad. It's, it's hard to do that when you're the sole provider at home. But God says if you could only focus on one thing at a time, you'd be surprised with the outcome. Because at the end, distractions will pull us apart. When I was a lot younger, in my teenage years, one day my mom and my dad pulled me aside. I was sitting in the back seat, and, 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 and they were speaking to me inside the car, and my dad speaks broken English. And he started telling me, Manny, you really need to focus. But the thing is that there was no O in it. It was a U. I'll talk about it another time. I just can't say it right here. And I was like, what, Dad? And he said, you need to Focus. And I was like, okay, dad, okay, I get it. I'm, that means that I'm looking at too many things at the same time. I got too many screens open. I got too many windows open in my life. And God says, you need to shut all of them down and just focus on one. Just focus on one. One. You know, sometimes we, our worship is, is disturbed because we're too busy worried about everybody else and everything else. And God is saying, just take a moment to focus only on me. Shut everything else down and just lift up your voice and give me a praise. That's all I want from you. That's all I want from you. What I love about the story is that while, while Martha's getting things ready in the kitchen, Mary's at the feet of Jesus listening to what Jesus has to say. She's literally at his feet as a disciple. And if anybody would have seen this in culturally, it didn't make sense because women uh, should not be sitting at the feet of a man. So she's, break, she's breaking culture. She's counterculturing, breaking counterculture, and, and she's doing something that she shouldn't be doing. You see, and sometimes you have to do the things that society says you shouldn't do. You've got to break the system. You see, we live in a system again. Like I said before, it's all about 24-hour everything. Now we have 24 hours fast food. You could go at three o'clock in the morning and get a Big Mac. I was telling Pastor Ed earlier today. I said I was reading an article about fast food franchises, and and, and the average fast food franchise will gross one million dollars a year. The average fast food franchise will gross $1 million a year. They're open, most of them are open 24 hours, seven days a week. Except for one that does not gross $1 million a year. There's a restaurant that's called Christian Chicken. <laughs> it's called Chick-fil-A. And the, Chick-fil-A, the average Chick-fil-A franchise does not, average $1 million gross a year. It averages $5 million gross a year. (laughs) Guess why? Somebody say, why, Pastor Manny? Because it has set apart Sundays to be closed. And God knows we live right now in Orlando, which is the, the, the highest tourism city in the world. We got millions of tourists coming into our city, but I promise you this, church, I don't know if you own a business, I don't know if you own an apartment or you own a computer, but you got to shut down at least once a week to worship God and give him praise, because I promise you this, if you put him first, he will provide supernatural provision your way. Tell somebody don't get distracted. We can't get distracted. She was distracted with too much doing and too much preparation. The next thing we know about Martha is that uh, when when we grow, when we have marginalized uh, living, we grow disconnected. We get disconnected. What happens in our personal lives is that we get too busy for God and slowly, what started as missing one service or missing one opportunity to be at God's house, it becomes a month and then two months and then three months and then within time we just stop putting God first. Not only with worship, but in our personal lives, sometimes we get so distracted that we get disconnected from family members. We get disconnected from our spouses. We get disconnected from our children because we're doing just too much. And God wants you to Shabbat. God wants you to take a moment to take a break and spend time with those that matter. It says in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? This is Martha crying out to Jesus. Don't you see me here? Don't you see me working? Don't you even care that I'm doing all the work and my sister's just laying around, sitting at your feet? Jesus cares. He cares. But don't ask him to do something you overcommitted to do. Don't ask him to change it. It takes your responsibility. It takes my responsibility to go back and do what we're supposed to do because at the end, it's a great privilege to serve God. See, when we become disconnected, we see what was once a privilege as great pressure. I've been in times in ministry. I've been in pastoral ministry full-time for a little bit over 10 years. And I've been there where my service to God can become more of an obligation because what, once I, what, what I once considered a privilege now becomes great pressure. And we never want to get to the place where serving God hurts We always want to consider that what God has called us to do is a great opportunity and a great privilege to do it again, again, and again. You see, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. Let me say this again. We don't have to come to church. We don't have to serve in the ushering team. We don't have to come and serve in media. We don't have to do it. We get to do it. The fact that I play a part in salvation and eternity for somebody's life, the fact that my handshake may have supernatural power through Jesus to change somebody else's life, lets me know that it's a privilege to be employed. It's a privilege to be married. It's a privilege to be a mom and dad. It's a privilege to serve others. It's a privilege to hold this mic even right now. Consider what God has given you, not great pressure, consider it great privilege. It's a privilege. Don't get distracted. Tell somebody, don't get distracted. It's a privilege to have Jesus at home. It's a privilege to be able to call him your savior. Don't get distracted. Don't get it twisted. It's a privilege to love God and for God to love us. Next one is, when we live a marginalist life, we are left discouraged. See, when we live a life without taking a break, we live a life without resting, it's only a matter of time that you're going to get discouraged. Can I say more? You're going to get angry. You're going to be short-tempered. Notice this. People that lose their temper fast, including myself, are people that have not taken time to rest. Have you ever seen it in yourself where you get incredible hokey? Right? Where David Banner is no longer in the picture. It's more incredible Hulk that's living in you and, because you haven't taken out time to rest. And God just wants you to pause. And in verse 41 it says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried. You're worried. You're worried about things you shouldn't be worried about. You're worried. Have you ever been worried? Are you worried even now with your current situation? Because let me tell you a little bit about worry. Worry will rob you of worship. Let me say that again. When we live a life of worry, we are considering worry... And it's robbing us from worship. Can I give you a little antidote? The same amount of time it takes you to worry is the same amount of time it takes you to worship. Let me break that down. Because when you worry, it takes up your mind. When you worry, it takes up your heart. When you worry within time, it debilitates your body. But when you worship, it takes up your mind. When you worship, it takes up your heart. And it does not debilitate your body. It rejuvenates your body when you worship instead of worry. I wonder what would happen in this house if we turned our worry into worship. I wonder what God wants to do in your life even now. So we become discouraged and and then we also become distressed. You ever been distressed? You ever been stressed out in life? Mary, I mean, Martha was stressed out. She was distressed. It says... That Jesus said, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Many things. You're worried about too much. And when, what happens when we're worried about too much, we begin, we begin to get disconnected. We begin to just lose track of what God wants to do in our life. I could just imagine Martha. I could just imagine Martha in the kitchen. You ever been, uh, husbands? Can you help me out for a second? You ever how do you know sometimes that, that wife wife is a little upset? Sometimes, at least, uh, can I be honest? Sometimes the cabinets just closing a little bit too hard. <laughs> uh, sometimes the dishes just being put into the other section a little too hard that you hear it real loud from watching the TV. <laughs> I could just imagine Martha just slamming cabinets and and throwing dishes while here is here's Mary on the other side she's at the feet of Jesus she's singing here I am to worship here I am to bow down and then you have Martha on the other side here I am in the kitchen washing all the dishes <laughs> <laughs> You ever been there? You ever been there? When you look at somebody else's worship, you'd be like, How can she worship? She got so much problems. How can he worship so well? He got so much going on. And it's because you got to focus on the right thing at the right time. Jesus is in the house. Will you bow down and worship him? Hallelujah. Don't get upset. Don't get stressed out. Just pause, take a break. Because at the end, you may have plans, but God has greater plans. You may have invited him, and you may have an agenda, but God has a bigger agenda. You ever seen God break your plans to make a better plan? I love what Proverbs says. There's as many other plans in the person's heart, but the, Lord will pur- pur- the Lord's purpose will prevail. It doesn't matter what we've planned. It matters what he's desired for our life. And we have to learn how to build margin. So let's talk about how do we build margin in our life? The way we build margin in our life, number one is coming to terms with what matters most. What matters most? It says this in Luke 42, Luke 10:42. But few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Jesus tells Martha, the, the, you, "You're worried about a lot of things." But indeed, there's only one thing that matters, and it's what Mary's doing right in front of me. Mary's taking out some time to pause, and we have to take some time to pause. When my kids were little, I remember either birthdays or Christmas, I would go all out to try to find the right gift. Right? Back then, Toys R Us, KB Toy Store. And I would have an idea of what my kids wanted. And I would go shopping for Christmas or for their birthday. And for me, the biggest delight is to see my kids open what I bought them, right. I, I look forward to them open, opening the And I love to give gifts. I love giving gifts because for me, I want to see your reaction when you open it, right. That's my, that, that's what feeds me, to see your reaction when I give you a gift. But what I learned with my kids as toddlers is that when Christmas came and we bought the real expensive toy that was on back order. And we waited for it, and we put it on layaway. We stood in line. We fought for it online. Black Friday. Don't judge me. Um, what I noticed during Christmas was that when they were opening the gifts as toddlers, they would begin to open the wrapper, and they were like, and "They're looking at. They're playing with the. We're playing with the wrapping paper. And then I'm like, "Open, open the gift. Open, open, open the gift. Open the, open the gift." Open, open. Keep going, open the gift. And, and, and then they go to the box, they're opening the box. They're like, N-Z-M-A-O-O-O-O-O. and they're opening the gift. And I'm like, keep, keep going, keep going, there's more. And then the gift is finally opened and I pull it out and they look at it. But and then they turn around they start playing with cardboard. <laughs> you ever thought about what you thought God wanted? And you prepared to give it to him and you've thought about it very well. You've taken time to think about what you thought God wanted to only see that God only wants styrofoam or cardboard. Now, not literally. He doesn't want styrofoam or cardboard. But what you prepared for him, maybe that's not what he wants. Maybe he didn't want the casserole. Maybe he didn't want the lasagna. Maybe he didn't even want to sit in the couch. He just wanted you to be out of the kitchen and to be at his feet. See, it's not the fact that we don't love God. It's not that we don't want to be around God. It's not that we're too busy. It, the thing is, we're focused on the wrong thing. And he doesn't want you in the kitchen. He wants you at his feet. Mary chose the right thing. She chose the one thing. And sometimes that's what we have to do. I love how the Apostle, Apostle Paul says in Philippians uh, 3.13, He says, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me and reaching for what's ahead. The, go- the, the goal and the call of Jesus, I got to leave certain things behind and I got to focus on him. I got to focus on him. I got to focus on what he wants for my life. So that's important for us. Another thing about building margin in our life is that we it's about committing to the highest good. Mary has chosen what is better. That's what Jesus said. Mary has chosen what is better. What you're doing in the kitchen is good. But what Mar- Mary is doing is better. What you're doing in life is good. You're going back to school, that's good. But what Mary's doing is better. What you're doing it, with the family is good. But he doesn't want you to come to church once a month. He doesn't want you to put, make him an accessory. He wants you to make him everything you need. She's chosen what is good. She's chosen what is right. And it's going to make you better. You see, when you take time to pause, it reminds you that you're not God. In fact, let me tell you more. When you consider the Sabbath, when you consider time to rest in your life, it's reminding you that you're not God and he is. See, because while you rest, he works. See, he's the God that never slumbers or sleeps. He keeps all of Israel. He keeps you and I. And when we take time to take a break, it's better. It's better for us. It's better for you. It's better for our families. The other thing about building margin is continually looking to a pattern of pause. We have to learn how to build a pattern. Which day are you going to take to take a break? What day are you going to consider to just get away from everything in life? For me and my family, it's sometimes just driving out to the coast. Because I love to look... At the water and see an infinite body of water that doesn't end. It reminds me of how big God is. I just like to sit out there at the beach and just take a book. And Mimi brings her book. And we sit right under the pier. And we just read and we relax. It's sometimes better than being at home. Because being at home can be a distraction. You get the phone calls. And you get the visits. And you get so much, on, so much going on in you like that. When somebody calls you, it's so easy to say, I'm out of town. You can't come over. Not today, right? Sometimes it's just good to get away. Set some time to get away. And you'd be surprised what God will do in your life. It's an uncommon sermon because what church will tell you to take a break even on a weekend, even from a Sunday, to get away with your family? Sometimes you just need to take a break because it's best for you. It's best for your family. It's best for your heart. It's best for your walk with Christ. So build a pattern in your life. Build a pattern that will bless you. Build a pattern that will, that will benefit you in the future. Maybe for you it's setting some time to, 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 to exercise or, or a game night with the family. Just something out of the norm that won't have everybody sitting in the same room texting each other. <laughs> For upcoming generation, you know what I'm talking about, where you're all on social media talking to each other while you're all sitting in the same room. Bring out the Monopoly board game. Bring out the Uno cards. Play charades. Do what you would do if the Internet was down and it was hurricane season where you can't get away from the house. You know what happened during hurricane season? Families got back together. Because the situations in the atmosphere allow you to focus on what really matters. You know what happened during hurricane season? Neighbors help neighbors. Because what happens is that everything that serves as a distraction has been turned off in your life. So you can focus on the things that matter. We need to be a church that worries and loves our neighbor. We need to be a church that loves our family. We need to be a church that continuously remembers what matters to Jesus. And it's that you're not in the kitchen or you're busy in life, is that you're at his feet. You're at his feet. So today I just want to remind you today, it's time to build a pause in your life. Sometimes the cassette player, did I say cassette player? Yes, I did. Man, Manny, you're old, bro. Sometimes you just have to hit pause on life and get away and do the right thing. As I close today, there's something about Mary that I like. Tell somebody, there's something about Mary. There's something about Mary that that called my attention, and it's that every time Mary's mentioned in the Gospels, she's at the feet of Jesus. Every time she's mentioned, she's at his feet. I don't know what it was, I don't know what her attraction was, but she's at his feet. In this occasion, she's at his feet. She's learning from Jesus. In the next occasion, her brother dies. And Jesus is coming into the town, and she's at his feet. She bows down at his feet and says, if you would have been here, my brother would have not died. She went to the answer. She went to the resurrection. She's at his feet for an answer, for a solution. The last time that she's mentioned, she's at his feet pouring anointing over the feet of Jesus. She's preparing him for burial. It's powerful to think about Mary... Always at the feet of Jesus. I could just imagine her. As soon as she shows up, boom, she's at his feet. <laughs> right? Every scene, she's running to him, boom, at his feet. That's the first thing she does. By now, Jesus, by the third time, Jesus expected her to do it. In fact, the disciples got upset by the third time. They said, look at this woman. She, what a waste. What is she doing? And he said, this is not a waste. She's going to be remembered for this. She's preparing me for proper burial. See, Hmm. Mary knew so much about Jesus that she knew that his next season was a season of death. Meanwhile, the guys that were walking with him all the time did not even consider that what she was doing was prophetic. See, sometimes it's not the people you walk with, it's the people that listen to you. It's the people that are really listening to what you have to say because Jesus was talking about his death since the beginning of his ministry. He knew that he came to die. He was born to die because we needed everlasting life through him. So I love this because the first time she kneels down, she kneels down to learn. The second time she kneels down at his feet, she, she kneels to mourn. And the last time she kneels down is to worship and anoint him. I believe that We as a church have to learn how to get away from the kitchen, get away from the to-do list and set a time to be at the altar, to learn, to mourn, and to worship. You know, because one thing about mourning, when she mourned, the Bible says that Jesus wept at seeing her at the condition she was in. It's the only written time that Jesus would actually show great emotion for his friend that had died because a woman had cried at his feet. I wonder what would happen if even today after this sermon, you come to the altar and instead of being busy with getting back to Golden Corral or getting to the restaurant because you got to make sure you eat before your blood sugar goes down. I wonder what would happen if you broke your schedule and you came to the altar to be at the feet of Jesus. I wonder what would happen if tonight, that Sunday night experience, we will have an overwhelming crowd that would show up to say, I'm going to leave my TV show. I'm going to leave the walking dead to find myself with the walking living God. I wonder what would happen if tonight, during Sunday night experience, the Holy Spirit would break out because you left and stopped being Martha to be a Mary for a day.